Hello, hello, hello. My name is Robert. I am the Recovery Guy, and this is The Checkup. Hello again, this is Robert, I am the Recovery Guy, and welcome, welcome to the checkup. It has been a good week, and I hope you uh, have realized your power throughout this week as you listen uh, on this Friday, or maybe you're picking it up over the weekend, Um, whatever the reason, uh, whatever the day, whatever the hour, it doesn't matter. I'm just glad that you're here. Uh, I hope you continue to be encouraged by our podcast um, to the degree that you would even share them to other people who are looking for the same hope that you and I have found. And uh, today uh, is is something really important to me that I that I really want to share, and and it was life saving for me, and. It continues to be of great value to me, and I hope it is for you as well. But before we get into today's podcast, please, please, please go to recoveryguide.org. Please register for the newsletter. Please let us know how you're doing. Please let me and the team know what we can do to help you along your road to recovery. Remember, again, we're doing eight um, podcasts per per month, eight fresh blogs per month. We've got the new newsletter. We're going to be doing other things incorporating to really try to accelerate and expand our recovery movement to, to bring in as many people into the room as possible because we want this to grow so the energy grows and whether we're in front of each other or not, that butterfly effect will occur and and we can all begin to increase our level of things that we attract to ourselves, right? That, um, that lesson I did on the laws of attraction, very true stuff, very real stuff. You know, what I have in my life, for the most part, it's because this is what I attracted, and it's the same for you as well. So go to recoveryguide.org, download the podcast, read the blogs, share the contact notes. I hope it enriches you in your life that we get well together. Today's podcast, I'm actually going to hold off on the title. I'm going to I'm going to give it a little background and then I'll I'll spring it on you as it were. Uh, but, you know, throughout our lives, uh, we come across various enemies, as it were, that prevent us from reaching our full potential. Would, would you agree with that? Enemies is kind of a generic term, but I think you know what I mean. They come in all shapes and all sizes. But again, throughout our life, we come across various enemies. And they do prevent us. They they are an obstruction to us reaching our full potential. Now, the enemies, interesting enough, as, as I'm sure you've understood, they can be uh, people. 
They can be circumstances, right? They, they can be objects as well as physical beings. They can be things that we do to ourselves or things that have been done to us. Now, these things, they, they can really affect us in various ways, and I'm sure you've experienced that um, from, from not very much to marginally to moderately to greatly and then even to catastrophically where the whole thing is burnt down, as it were. It's, it's been my experience, the most potentially harming thing is something that you can't see and you can't hear. Does that intrigue you? I tried to build that up just a little bit, but it really has been my experience. The most potentially harming thing in my life anyway is something that we cannot see and we can't hear. Um, as as many of you know, if you've listened for a while, I'm a, I'm a big music guy. And, you know, I was born in the 50s, mid-50s, raised in the 60s, a classic rock guy. I have a love for all music, 80s tech music. Uh, you know, uh, I, I, I love it all. I've seen the Google Dolls four times. I'm really involved in, in, in a lot of uh, uh, electronic dance music, EDM, and, and I like um, certain rap and, and, and a lot of Cali reggae and things like that, Dirty Heads and so on. But music has always been a part of my life. And, and, and I really tell people that music kept me alive because it was my way to escape. Music had the ability to transport me to to a place where life was neutral. And I used to do a lot of psychedelic drugs back in the back in the 70s and 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 LSD and peyote and mescaline and and I would trip for two and three days at a time and I would get lost in my music, right? Mahu Vishnu Orchestra you know, uh, uh, Pink Floyd, a lot of other moody blues, things like that, uh, a lot of um, music that would provide Emerson, Lake, and Palmer, a lot of uh, music that was designed, that was written to uh, cause you to escape and be a part of that trip, as it were. But I tell people that music um, kept me from blowing my brains out. It was that much of an escape for me. It was where I could go and hide. And and this morning I was listening to Pandora and a song from the 60s came on and it was a song from Simon and Garfunkel. And the song was called Sound of Silence. Remember that song? Now, in the song... There's a line that reads, silence like a cancer grows. Really, and as I was listening to that, and I was, I was, I was hanging out with Laura and listening, and, 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 and I wrote it down in my notes right away. I said, that's a podcast theme. That's a podcast theme. Silence like a cancer grows. So that's today's topic. That's today's podcast. It's called Deadly Science. Now, we're all aware that when cancer grows or metastasizes, it usually proves deadly. 
sadly enough, I, I have a brother-in-law right now, and we're praying for him. And please pray for my brother-in-law, Bobby, or many people know him by Benji. He's got stage four cancer, and it's and it's sad. And I've known people dying of cancer, and it's very tragic. And my heart goes out to him. And Laura, it's her only brother. Her sister passed away of 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 AIDS back in uh, uh, 1994, and and my mother-in-law Pat lives with us. So there's a lot of sadness in our home because we understand cancer, and 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 so. We know what happens when cancer grows and metastasizes, and it does prove deadly. I had a dear friend of mine in, in 2002 die from prostate cancer, and when they when they found it, it had, was so far progressed that, you know, his quality, he was dead within nine months, and his quality of life continued to diminish along the way. And, and that is why the most potentially dangerous thing in our lives is silence, Silence, like a cancer, does really grow, and, and it can become deadly. Silence harms and kills more people than it should ever be allowed. I really believe that. One of the, one of the saddest things about the devastation of silence is that it is self-inflicted. It really is. Silence is a self-inflicted wound, which means it is also preventable. We don't have to die from the silence because we can prevent it from metastasizing. We can prevent it from being the silence as a cancer would grow. Silence, and here's why. Silence leads to secrets. And I have, as I've said before, we are only as sick as our secrets. And if we don't get well, we will die. If we don't go from sickness to wellness, we will die in our sickness because we're only going to stay sick so long because our sickness is progressive. Things get worse, never better over time. And since we are only as sick as our secrets, that's what the silence leads to. Now, what is it about silence that when we engage in it for what we would even consider for safety, is it deadly? Because we do, we're, we're not silent just because we want to say silent. We believe silence translates into us being safe. But when we look at the definitions of silence and a secret, you can understand why it's not positive, why it is negative. You know, I have a friend of mine right now in recovery who's really going through a lot with the entire Black Lives Matter. She has a, a biracial son, and she's really torn in, in, in the entire movement and how she translates that to her young teenage boy. And my heart really goes out to her because there are things that she needs to be silent as as a mom because he is a young boy, and yet there are things that if she's silent about in his life, it will cause him harm. And, and the struggle is real. But silence is, as defined, it's an absence of sound or noise. 
It's, it's a vacuum. And in vacuums, like in space, nothing, nothing lives. It's an absence of sound, which means I'm not crying out, which means I'm not telling you that I'm in pain, that I'm not telling you that I need help, that I'm not telling you that I'm lost, that I'm not telling you that I'm falling and I'm so afraid. I'm not telling you that I'm losing everything and I don't know what to do. I'm not telling you that I've lost my way and I don't know how to find my way back. I don't know how to tell you that it's so dark where I am and in spite of all I want, I can't see the light. That's what my silence did to me. What did your silence do to you? And I kept it as a secret. And a secret is defined as kept from knowledge or view. I couldn't tell you how I felt because I thought you might judge me. I thought you might think I'm not who I wanted to be or needed to be or could be. And so my silence generated a secret. And between the absence of sound, of not crying out, and keeping you from the knowledge or the view of me that was in such despair, it almost killed me. And it is only by the grace of God and the program of Alcoholics Anonymous that I am alive today. When we know this, when we fully understand the potentially deadness that silence can bring and how it leads to secrets, knowing this then becomes the answer of how do we escape the deadly grasp of the silence? Because just knowing something is deadly doesn't mean we move from the deadly possibilities of it. It just means we have knowledge that it is. So here are some of the things that, that I've come across that, that you may find valuable. If you do, that's fantastic. Write them down, um, print them out, put your own twist on them, own them, make them yours, put them on your mirror, do whatever you need to do because the deadly silence has to end. And I hope it doesn't end because we die. I hope it ends because we have chosen to live. Don't you want to live? Not just exist, but live. Live a life beyond our wildest expectations. Join me and countless others who have understood the transition from living in a deadly science to living a life that is beyond our comprehension. Here are some of the things that I've jotted down. Come to an understanding of how harmful silence can be. You know, until I understand the depth of the problem, I'll never understand that I need to move myself from it. You know, I had a good friend of mine that um, from an uh, evangelistic standpoint in salvation and things and the movement uh, uh, he represented in his ministry, he would tell me, he said, you know, 
we have to get them lost before we can get them saved. Man has to understand, man generically, men, humankind, we have to understand our depravity before we can understand we need to move from the depravity and what the depravity can do. That's why in a 12-step recovery program, regardless of what 12-step program you're in, remember, I first went to Gamblers Anonymous before I ever went to Alcoholics Anonymous. I then realized that I qualified for NA, OA, GA, right, SA, EA, Emotions Anonymous. I qualified for them all. In every one of the 12-step programs, the first step is came to believe that I was powerless over alcohol, whatever, and my life had become unmanageable. Even Al-Anon has a step, one, to understand our powerlessness and our unmanageability. And the same thing here. We have to come to understand how harmful silence can be. Once we do, this is really important. You're not alone. Isn't Isn't that nice to know that we're not alone? I remember the feeling I had when I was going to meetings. I was feeling so isolated because the program of Alcoholics Anonymous and maybe your program for you, it was really the last house on the block for me. There was nowhere to go. I was homeless. I was wrecked. Everyone I ever cared for either left me or I left them. I was unemployable. And the only place that would take me was a treatment center that was federally funded. But you know what? I wasn't alone, and neither are you. We are not alone. We only think we're alone. Our silence and our secrets have become our captivity. And we're so afraid that someone will recognize us for being the person that we are We become so isolated emotionally and mentally, spiritually. We even become so physically and we stop taking care of ourselves. But I remember the first time I walked into a meeting and I realized I was home. It was amazing. And for the first time, I raised my hand as an alcoholic because I was one. I wasn't a person with a drinking problem. I wasn't a person who had failed marriages. I was a person who was an alcoholic. They used to tell me, if you're not sure you're alcoholic, stick around because you'll do till one shows up, right? And one day I showed up and I was home and I was home and I was not alone anymore. And my life was transformed and resurrected and I became this force to be reckoned with, and I became a recovery machine. And over 34 years later, that energy, that excitement, that feeling of belonging has not reduced. It's only increased. I belong everywhere I'm at. There's nowhere I'm excluded from. You would be amazed at all the people who have learned to hide what you are now opening up to. We have all learned to hide it, but now, since we're not alone, there's no reason to hide. That leads me to number three. Any shame we experience is mostly self-induced. 
and and I say that, and it doesn't mean that other people aren't putting us down, but here's the deal. Until I come into agreement with that, it's not true. If a person wants to shame me, knock yourself out. You can tell me whatever you want to tell me, but until I say, and I sign on the bottom line, and I co-sign your view of me, it's not true. And I know that from both sides. I've, I've dealt with bulimic and anorexic people who believe they're, they're fat. They're beautifully shaped. They might be 5, 8, 170 pounds, but they're perfectly healthy, and they're wonderfully voluptuous and perfectly beautiful. Or they're like Laura that's 5, 2, and 108 pounds. Beautifully shaped, beautifully formed. Everyone has, and, and so often people are body shamed, especially women. As a formerly obese person, I understand that shame. But once I realized that it wasn't true, I wasn't the person that, that was being negatively referred to, it was only because my self-talk confirmed it, and I changed that self-talk, then I became a different person. And I don't live in that shame anymore, and neither should you. Number four, realize that the initial pain or discomfort or loss we experience is, 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 is not anything more than temporary. The pain or the loss we experience or the discomfort is only temporary, just like anything new. Things that are temporary have a, have a sense to be, you know, maybe painful, but it's mainly uncomfortable because we haven't experienced it before. doesn't mean it's wrong. It just means we're not used to it yet. Give it time. You know, here's where time becomes our best friend. You know, quantity, are you ready for this? I've said this before. Uh I got this from Brian Suits, Dark Secret Place and out of LA, KFI. Great quote, not even recovery, but it's life. Quality, quantity has a quality all of its own. Quantity has a quality all of its own, which means time is our best friend. Stick around, continue to practice the principles of recovery. You know, and if you listen to Tuesday's podcast, you know what those things are in the podcast of Steps to Change. You incorporate them, you get rid of the silence, which produces the secrets, and you might just get well. Here's number five. This is very important because camaraderie, the silence and the secrets creates that isolation where we get lost in, you know, kind of like a, a, an emotional rut where, you know, in a rut is, is nothing more than a grave with both ends kicked out. And if we don't get out of the rut, we die there. That's true. Number five is designate at least one person of trust that we can share our secrets and break the power that silence has over us. So important. In spite of our fear of being, quote unquote, found out, right? Which most people pretty much know about us anyway. They just don't know how to help us. Let's find that one person of trust that we can just share these things and, and, and remove the silence, break down the walls of secrecy, 
and understand that we are as only as sick as our secrets and removing that secrecy be then begins to to invite a sense of power in our life number 6 remember to begin one step at a time we we didn't get sick overnight and we're certainly not going to get well overnight one step at a time is the best way to get anywhere. You've heard the adage, how do you eat an elephant, right? And that's that metaphor for an overwhelming problem. Well, how you eat an elephant is very simple. Of course, it's one bite at a time, right? And even science will tell you, uh, people who study food and digestion and, and health, healthy eating habits, uh, I remember uh, being obese, and 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 they said you need to eat slower because the food needs to process longer, so it will begin to tell you you're satisfied and you're full, and therefore you'll eat less, which will do less harm, and that's very true. So I try to eat more slowly, and I take one bite at a time, chew it properly, 13 to 15 chews, then I swallow and I allow it to sit and and I eat my meal more slowly. The same thing here. We're not going to accomplish this thing. Remember, this recovery that we're involved with is a journey. It's not a destination. As it says in, in the program of Alcoholics Anonymous, more will be revealed. And I can go back and reapply these steps or grow in these steps or add another step along the way, but I do need to take it one step at a time. I can't hopscotch my way through this thing. I'm going to miss something. Either I'm going to miss something that's important or I'm going to miss the enjoyment of accomplishing something I was able to achieve. Number seven, be committed to the process. Remember, this is a process. This is not a quick fix. It can't be a quick fix. There's no such thing as an overnight success. I always find it funny when when musicians or, you know, actors or actresses are 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 considered to be an overnight success. You know, we forget all the theaters and 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 the and the uh, the the uh, you know the bars that this group had to perform in along the way and and how they were rejected by by producers and engineers and and record labels and or or um, screening classes or going to audition for a part. We don't see all those things, but they're so committed to the process and they really believe in their craft that they don't stop. And we can't either. It's one step at a time, one day at a time. Be committed to the process. Understand it's a journey. It's not a destination. And be satisfied with incremental accomplishments along the way. Be committed to the process. Take it one step at a time. Number eight, use the freedom that breaking the silence brings to be turned into empowerment. Don't you like power? I love power. I love getting power from the power that's greater than myself. That's what step 11 is about in recovery. Sought through prayer and meditation 
to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood God, praying only the power of the will, his power, the will for us, and the and praying only for his will for us and the power to carry that out. Isn't that wonderful? I want power. In step one, I give up power that really wasn't power because power doesn't kill me. Power gives me life. And so when I break the silence, I become empowered, and so will you. Here's something that's really important. Replace or exchange past behaviors with new healthy behavior. The best way to not go back to where I was is to not do the things I did when I was there. That seems simple enough, right? It should be, and yet we complicate it. Recovery, and I learned this a long time ago because if you ask me what time it is, I I might just tell you how to build a watch. But one, one thing a person told me, it's resonated with me throughout the years. He said the program of recovery is a, you know, because you, you would hear, let me go back up, it'll say that it's a, a simple program for complicated people. Maybe you've heard that before, a simple program for complicated people. And they said, no, in reality, it's a simple program for simple people who love to complicate things, right? So let's not complicate it. It's pretty simple. Don't do what I did that got me where I was. Do what I do now that that gives me this new energy, this new empowerment, this new lease on life. Begin new behaviors. It's very, very simple. Finally, share your success. Please share. I know it's trite and it sounds like a really trite cliche, but sharing is caring. If I care about you, I want to share with you, not only because it empowers me, and anytime I reiterate or share or, or articulate things that have happened to me, it encourages me, it, it reinvigorates me, it recommits me, it holds me higher accountability, but maybe it helps you. Because when people see our success, I can't tell you how many times I've come across people who don't have an addiction or haven't faced our life circumstances, but I've shared with them my recovery, and they say, wow, I have a, a friend, I have a spouse, I have, a, I have an associate who really needs this. Maybe you can talk to them. They translate what's happened to me into hope for someone else, right? Share your success. It helps on so many different levels. I really believe when we walk in this light and freedom, we become convinced that going back is never an option. Isn't that wonderful? Being who I was prior to my recovery, incomprehensible demoralization, going back is not an option for me, right? Drinking or using is no more of an option for me as me uh, putting a fresh clip in my nine millimeter, putting a round in the chamber and pulling the trigger. <laughs> That's not an option either, right? 
Destruction is not an option. Living life on life's terms, understanding my victories, overcoming challenges, overcoming obstacles, dealing with life on life's terms, sharing my experience, strength, and hope with each other, that we can find this same hope and agree on that together. That is my option. That's my motive. That's my desire. That's my drive. That's where we find our agreement with each other. I want to thank you so much for joining Recovery Guide today. Thank you for being a part of the movement. Thank you for going to recoveryguide.org. Thank you for sharing, caring, downloading the blogs, listening to the podcast, helping us get our message out to others. Be sure to sign up for the newsletter. Make sure you begin receiving copies. Sign up that we can communicate with you so you know how best to reach us. And as always, my name is Robert, and I am the Recovery Guy.